What's up, young adults? Welcome uh, as we continue our summer series as we're going through the Old Testament. Uh, and that's exactly what we're going to do today. We're going to continue to talk about the Old Testament to see, number one, like, is the character of God in the Old Testament the same as the character of God in the New Testament? And then also, how is God setting the stage for his master plan from the Old Testament to the New Testament? Like, how is he pointing towards Jesus. And we're actually going to be diving into a passage today that is pretty challenging, to be honest. And I think we see this a lot in the Old Testament. As we're going through, uh, there's, there's, number one, there's like kind of a barrier that our culture is very different than the culture of the Israelite people. Uh, you know, the Old Testament is following the Israelite people who are God's chosen people during this time. And they're from a very different cultural context than we are. So from a knowledge standpoint, that can create some challenges. And then also, I think you would, if you've read through the Old Testament, if you're going to read through it, whatever it may be, is you're going to read some things that kind of pique a sense of morality within us. It's like, God, what, what exactly was going on here? What, why, did you, why did God do this this way? I think we have those moments. And it's important to note here that like when we get to these tough passages of Scripture, I think there's three responses that you see people take which are incorrect. Number one is when you read something in Scripture, and this is for Old Testament and New Testament, that you don't understand is be like, ah, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just turn the page and keep going. Like, that's above my pay grade. I don't need to worry about it. I don't think that's a good approach because this is God's word and we need to be knowledgeable about it. Uh, the number two thing would be like, uh, I read that. At first, I don't understand exactly what I read, and so I allow some of those things. Instead of researching it out for myself, I allow doubt to creep in, and I get, begin to distance myself from God. That's also, I think, unwise choice. The third thing would be is like, hey, the Old Testament is, it doesn't matter because the New Testament's here, right? Jesus is in the New Testament. We don't even need to worry about the Old Testament. And I don't think that's correct either because here's the deal. It's God's inspired word. And truly, when you read the Old Testament, you begin to see that God had a master plan which he is laying forth um, for us. And so the Old Testament matters. I think you can grow spiritually. I know you can grow spiritually um, from reading in the Old Testament to understand what was God up to. And so we're going to be in the book of Numbers today. And we're going to be in Numbers chapter 15. And I know that when you're in church sometimes, I'm like a church guy, you know what I'm saying? You'll hear someone say, hey, this is where we're going to be reading. Uh, we're in Numbers 15, and we're going to start in verse 32. I say all that to say this. I want you to open it up. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV, uh, but I want you to follow along with me because I think this text is really, really important. And I want to make sure that you are uh, reading into it and that you're reading the same thing uh, that I am so that we're on the same page. And so Numbers chapter 15, uh, verse 32, we're talking about uh, a Sabbath breaker being executed. So a man who violated the Sabbath. And what the Sabbath was, was a law that was set forth by God for the Israelite people, his chosen people, that they were to rest on this day. This Sabbath day was to be a day of rest in which they could um, you know, honor God by doing no work on that day. So the Sabbath day was just that. And here we pick up a scene uh, with a man who violated this Sabbath. So verse 32, it says this. It says, While the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. 
And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation. And so before we go any further, it's important to note, like Jared talked about Moses uh, last week or a couple weeks ago. Jared talked about Moses. Moses was the leader of the Israelite people whom God had chosen. Now the Israelite people were, before what we're going through right here in Numbers, they were enslaved by the Egyptians, okay? And then what happens is God challenges them. Moses leads them out of the land of Egypt, Okay, and so Moses is the leader of the Israelite people, and the Israelites are wandering in this wilderness because they have left uh, their enslavement in Egypt. So that's where we pick up. And so uh, it says that as they found though, they found him gathering sticks. They found this man gathering sticks in verse 33, and they brought him to Moses and Aaron. Aaron was the, the priest. He was like Moses' second-hand man, and to all the congregation. They put him in custody because it had not been made clear what should be done to him. And the Lord said to Moses, The man shall be put to death, and all the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. And all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death with stones, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And if you're like me, when I read through this, I'm like, man, I'm in trouble because I have done worse than collect sticks on a day that I'm not supposed to, all right? Like that's, that was my initial thought. And it was kind of, it's one of those moments where a sense of morality, which I believe that morality comes from God, that that's ingrained into us, into our human DNA. But part of me was like, what is going on here? Like, God, why did you choose to do this this way? And I want to explain some of the context further. We've talked about it a little bit, about who the Israelite people were. But I want to talk about the context a little bit further because it really helps us to understand what exactly was happening. And I don't feel a need to justify God's word by going through the context. I'm not trying to speak anything into the text that isn't there. What I'm doing is providing context from what else we know that was going on through Scripture, through the book of Exodus, through Leviticus and the beginning of Numbers, uh, which are the books leading up to this. What was going on and what was the setting? So this man, it might seem crazy, like all he did was pick up sticks, right? Well, really, this was a direct violation of what God had asked him to do. So God was interacting with the Israelite people in a much different way than he has interacted with us today. So here's the deal. It's not unlikely that this man that broke the Sabbath, it isn't unlikely that he was either alive during the Exodus or that he was within a generation of people who experienced it. And what happened during the Exodus? God puts on 10 different plagues to the Egyptian people in a show of his power, which causes Pharaoh to release the Israelites. And then as they're going and they're running away from the Egyptians, the Red Sea is parted and the Israelites are able to escape out of that. That The sea is literally split in half by Moses because God allowed him to do that. It's not unlikely that this Sabbath breaker had experienced this. And it's definitely uh, realistic that within this generation, even if he wasn't there for it, he knew people that experienced these things. Now, moving on, a couple of things that this Sabbath breaker directly saw God do was that he saw God provide manna uh, every morning for his people, right? The, the Israelites were in the wilderness wandering. What were they going to eat? God provided manna for them every day, so he was providing for them. At one point in time, uh, he provides quail also. It's not unlikely that this man uh, very, very quite possibly was there when Moses struck a rock 
earlier in the book of Numbers and water comes out of the rock as the Israelite people are grumbling, hey, we're, we're thirsty, we need something to drink. And so this man has had his physical needs met by God directly in some miraculous ways. Also, the Israelite people, they're wandering through the wilderness. Well, who is leading them? It's actually God who is leading them by a pillar of cloud by day and by a pillar of fire by night. I mean, could you imagine like that's what you're seeing? So God is interacting with his people like he's in their presence in a very unique way in the Old Testament. He's in the presence of the Israelite people and he's given them this list of commands. And one of them is to follow the Sabbath, that you should not work on this day, that you should rest. And what does this man go and do? Is that he goes out in direct opposition to what God has asked, in spite of the show of power, in, in spite of the salvation that God has offered to the Israelite people from the Egyptian captivity, in spite of all of those things that he's seen, in spite of his physical needs being met, he decides that he is going to go out and he's going to do his own thing. He's directly violating what God has said to do. And so we see that while that seems harsh, he was receiving judgment. This Israelite man who violated the Sabbath was receiving his judgment. Now, elsewhere in the Old Testament, actually just a couple of chapters earlier, we see that Aaron, who was Moses's like number two, and Moses's sister, Miriam, they kind of rise up and they're saying, why is Moses our leader? And they begin to question like, why God have you put him in place? And they really, uh, they violate basically what they should have been thinking of as God. They're saying, God, why is Moses in charge? And so they're sinning because they're questioning God. And what God does is he actually shows them grace that Miriam, although she has plagued with leprosy for a little bit, this is in Numbers uh, 12, although she's plagued for just a little bit, God heals her and restores her. And the same with Aaron, because they had a heart that was still towards God. And so we still see that in the Old Testament, that is his theme. But this, the, that is a theme. But we still see that this Sabbath breaker, we don't know anything else about it other than he was receiving his judgment for what he had, what he had done. And this is something really honestly we see in the New Testament as well. Like how, what did Jesus have to say about judgment? What did Jesus have to say about judgment? And, and so in John chapter 12, in verse 44, we see Jesus say some very interesting things about what is going to happen to each and every single one of us. And it says this in John 12, 44. It says, and Jesus cried out and said, and you notice that he cried out. He didn't just say it, he cried out. Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm the Savior. Verse 48 says, the one who rejects me, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words does have a judge. As a judge, the word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me, that's God, God who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I, what I say, therefore, what I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. What Jesus is saying right here is that, hey, I didn't come to judge the world, but I came to save it. I came to offer my body up 
on a cross. I came to do what God has called me to do. Every word that I've spoken has been from God. I'm the Savior, but listen, God is going to judge us all one day. And so this man was receiving in the Old Testament, this Sabbath breaker, was receiving really a judgment that we're all going to receive. He happened to get his while he was still on this earth. But all of us are going to be judged by God at some point. And I think it's easy, you know, grace is an amazing thing. And it's something we should talk about all the time. But the truth is also is that there will be judgment. What was the command of Jesus? What was he saying? What was his teaching? Is that anyone who believes in me and knows that I am the way and the truth and the life, that person, the person who accepts me into their heart, is going to have eternal life with me in heaven, with God. That they have to repent from their sins, they have to admit their sins, believe in me, and confess Jesus as Lord of their life. That that was the final command that was given to us in scripture really, is that hey, you know what, or the most important command, you've gotta have a relationship with Jesus. This was part of God's master plan all along. And so, we see that everyone is going to have to answer to this at the end of their lives. When our time here on earth is done, God will judge us all. And that's kind of a scary thing, but it really, it really shouldn't be because God has offered grace to us. And I, and I want to read another piece of scripture here uh, real quick, and it's from John chapter 8. And it's about a woman who was caught in adultery. And it's very similar to our, uh, our, our story from the Old Testament, but it highlights this new covenant that we are living in. That the Old Testament, that highlights the Old Covenant, but the New Testament, this is the New Covenant, the covenant which we are now living in after God has began to has come and fulfilled his plan through sending his son Jesus. And this is what Jesus says to a woman who was caught in adultery. It says, But Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in his midst and placing her in his midst. They said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in an act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, in this Old Testament law, it is commanded for us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test Jesus, to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. But Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, this is really important right here, he says, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Let the first who is without sin among you be the, be the one to throw a stone at her. And it says, and once more he bent down and wrote on the ground, but when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. And this is really the heart of Jesus. It's the heart of God is that when we are in sin is that we would go and sin no more. But we have to realize this. Sin is serious, that at the end of our lives, we are going to have to answer to God as to did we accept Jesus or not. But it's clear from this scripture right here that grace is a theme in this new covenant. And it was a theme in the Old Testament as well. But God is giving us the opportunity to go to him. So when we talk about sin, we're all going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. I mess up all the time. You know, but the deal is, is 
when we are choosing to live in sin and we're choosing to live outside of what God has called us to on purpose, intentionally, with that heart behind it, it's dangerous. That's what this kind of sin the Sabbath breaker was in is that he was intentionally sinning against God and saying, I believe that my way is better. I'm going to do what I want to do. And even in this new covenant that we're living in with Jesus, this is a very serious thing that God has given us certain commands to live by. And if we are intentionally breaking those, we are in dangerous territory. But again, we see the heart of Jesus is this, that the heart of God is this, is that everyone would go and sin no more. You know, Jesus says, I came to rescue you. I have a gift for you. So we don't have to live scared. We don't have to be living afraid that God's going to strike us down at any time. That what we need to be living in is that we can have this free gift that Jesus has offered to us. And that's a simple truth that's offered to everybody. I want you to think about it in this moment because... We have busy lives. We get caught up doing stuff. I mean, we have things going on. Uh, every, we're always getting notifications on our phone. We have next steps to take and everything else. But I want you to think about that. And this is something that's really impacted me in my life. Uh, we're going to have to answer for the sin that we've done. And I know for me, the only way I have comfort is knowing that, number one, God has forgiven me and that I am secured eternally because I have Jesus in my life. I mean, we're all going to get to that point where we receive judgment. And the only way that we can be secured is when we accept Jesus and allow for his payment on the cross to be the payment or his punishment on the cross to be the payment for our sins. That that's the only way we can be made right with God. But that's coming for us all. We'll all be judged one day. And the good news is, is that God has been good enough to us, that his master plan all along was to rescue us from our sinful nature and from our sinful desires. I hope that if you haven't made that decision, that that's a decision that you would make. And I just want to encourage everyone one last time, when you find something difficult in scripture, research it out, lean into it, dive into it, because you're going to see that God's grace is sufficient and it's present throughout all of scripture. Thanks for joining us, guys.